All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And I want to tell you sort of the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here? We're here to work out our trials or hardships in such a way that we can begin to see God's glory and unfold his plan for our lives. And you may be asking, though, what does this have to do with me? Why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, we all have issues, plain and simple. We're kind of coming out of this uh, COVID epidemic, pandemic, hopefully. And uh, maybe for you, it's, it's a job on the rocks, maybe a relationship drama. Uh, maybe you're having trouble with a friend. Um, it could be something simple as a flat tire ruined your day, right? Whatever it is, we all have stuff. And this could be um, uh, friendships, family-related, work-related, doesn't matter. But this stuff can begin to accumulate and even cloud our minds, changing the trajectory of our lives. Now, with that being said, today I want to introduce you to an amazing guest. We have Mr. Carlos Whitaker on the line. Carlos, could you tell everybody hello? What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on. Hey, guy. Hey, look, I am I am so excited to have you on here, Carlos. Um, I am a huge fan. Uh, for those of you who don't know Carlos, um, Carlos is uh, I love your Instagram title, by the way. It's like I tell stories uh, in, yeah. in <laughs> I tell stories in, in books and stages and, and on social media. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do, Carlos. Uh, well, I, I write books and I talk about them. So that's, that's what I do. And so, um, you know, and and I write books that hopefully will lead people from, uh, from places of darkness to places of light. And, um, you know, whether I'm, whether I'm speaking on a stage at a conference or a church, or I'm on a podcast or I'm right telling a story on a book, wherever I'm at, I'm just trying to sling hope in some way, shape or form. Man, and that's why I wanted you here, man. I can, you know, your stories they stick, man. And I can, I can remember you talking about your dog eating your neighbor's chicken. <laughs> and and I just, awesome. you know, I just remember all this stuff. And then uh, you were, you were in Nashville talking about your dad and how he got to talking to you about kill the spider. Yeah. And, uh, and so your dad, uh, kill the spider, by the way, is um, one of my favorite of Carlos's books that, that he has written. Uh, and the inspiration sort of came from your dad being an evangelist, correct? Absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the story of Kill the Spider is that he, he was in Panama preaching a revival and a woman came forward and asked him that if he would please pray that God would clean the cobwebs from her life. And he said that she came forward three nights in a row asking for the same thing. And he's like, man, this isn't working. So the last night, uh, she asked, "Could you please pray God would clean the uh, kill the excuse me clean the cobwebs of sin in my life?" And my dad said, "No, we're going to pray that He kills the spider of sin in your life." And so that's that's where the concept of kill the spider came from, and how, how that kind of sent me on a journey to kill my own. You know, that's that's huge, Carlos. That whole thought is it reminds me of being proactive and being reactive, man. Yeah, like like we can we can constantly just respond to things in this life but i gave you sort of sort of my story my backstory as well as we talked a little bit before this and uh, my listeners kind of know the the story of of losing my daughter Callie Grace and then my mom to a drug addiction and my grandmother and and it kind of got me to a point where it's like okay do i sit in this 
Or is there something we can do to stand up and stand for something and make a difference to make an impact, kill the spider, whatever that is that is holding me back to where I'm not just fighting the cobwebs, man. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like we've got to, I think, I think so many people are just looking at the wrong place. Like we're just, you know, um, that, that's what the enemy will do. He'll, he'll, um, his only tactic is he's a liar. So since he's a liar, he will lie to us and distract us and keep us looking at the wrong thing. And if he can lie to us, make us believe a lie that, that, um, that we suddenly are basing our entire lives upon, then, um, then at, at that point, Gosh, I mean, he's got us and all he's done is lie. So yeah. once we can find the truth, um, then at that point we can get free. You know, and this whole life is, is, is hard. We do live in a fallen world and, and life can be, life is a battle. You know what? Life is, yeah, life yeah. is a battle. And we're going to get into your new book, Inner Wild. And I'm, and I'm excited to start talking about that in a few minutes. But, but in that battle, I want, I want us to recognize that it's not me who fights man but Christ inside me who's fighting and the victory's already been won uh we're just watching the pages turn and i love that um yeah uh, that that whole concept now carlos you had a very hard situation um a little while back and uh you were you we followed along with you through through social media you were very open with the possibility of your daughter and cancer. Um, uh-huh. could, you, could you tell us a little bit about Sohela and kind of, kind of walk us through that? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, it was, it was one of the, not one of, it was probably the hardest uh, season of, of our lives, you know, and we, um, we were, uh, she, she'd been complaining about some chest pains, um, and, you know, we kind of we kind of pushed it aside because she, she just started like working out and, you know, we thought and she was going to a chiropractor. We thought, oh, you know, something's just out of alignment or something. And uh, well, they just got worse and worse. And finally, they got so bad. I to rush her to the ER. Um, and we, when we got there, you know, they, were, they did a, um, a uh, CAT scan and or MRI and in the in the ER. And they came back and they said, oh, she's got, she's got pneumonia. And we're like, oh, okay, like we can do that. And so for about 15 minutes, um, you know, we were like, well, they're like, we'll probably have to admit you. She'll be in the hospital for maybe two days or so. So like, okay, so I mean, that, that was it. And then 15 minutes later, that same doctor walked in and said, we're so sorry. Uh, we read the results of the scan again. And although it does look like she has pneumonia, it also, we've also found a mass inside of her lungs. Um, and so we're thinking that this is, um, lymphoma. And so now you're going to be, you know, going to the oncology floor and, you know, those, those words right there. I mean, when the doctor said that she gets, she, she kind of kneel, knelt down on one knee to whisper to us. So Hala couldn't hear although So Hala heard everything. Um, it was, it was, it was kind of a, a deciding point. It was, um, it was a moment that we had a decision to make in that moment. And in that moment we could have decided, okay. We're about to start uh, proclaiming the promises of the enemy, and the promises of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Or we're going to start proclaiming this, the promises of, of God. And the promises of God is for healing, for um, acceleration of our faith, for, um, for all, all the goodness, right? All the miracles that, that are coming. And we made a decision, and we, 
we started to proclaim the promises of God over my daughter's life. We started, we had our whole church come through and laying hands on her and praying and proclaiming. And that first 24 hours of proclaiming the good news, you know, I mean, we, we started, you know, down that first day, I mean, the oncology doctors, the whole team came in and said, we're going to go in. Um, we'll, we'll probably start chemo today or tomorrow. This is a pretty big mass and we got to get, get at it and go at it. And so, I mean, they're already planning chemo. Uh, and, w- and we're praying against that, man. We're praying that this thing goes away. I mean, that's what I was praying. I was praying they did, they do another scan and they can't find it. Right. Um, man. And I tell you what, they can't, those doctors were supposed to do a, take her out for a biopsy at 9am. Uh, noon came, nobody'd come by two o'clock came, nobody came by four o'clock came, nobody came by and I was getting frustrated. Uh, and then five o'clock, the whole team of doctors came in and, um, they looked at us and they said, you know what? We, we looked at the scan again. We did another scan and, um, it looks like that mass that we thought was a tumor actually is an infection. Oh, wow. And, and so this is, this doesn't look like cancer. We can't say it's not cancer, but it doesn't look like cancer. Um, and so we're going to treat it as an infection. And, you know, so, I mean, that moment right there began, uh, 21 days of us seeing miracles. Now, did we, did we ha- suffer? Did my daughter go through the, like the worst suffering she's ever gone through even way after that initial great news? <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, it was undiagnosed for a long time. It's honestly, it's still a little bit un- undiagnosed, yeah. but, uh, at the end of the day, we, you know, we kept praying the promises. We stopped praying the problem. And, and what we saw was, was God, again, just uh, raised the, the tide um, of, our, of our hope. And, and, you know, people ask me all the time, well, if she didn't get healed, if she wasn't in the hospital, you know, would your story be the same? I, I think my story would be the same because uh, this isn't the first time this has happened in our lives. Like, I've, right. I've prayed for God to do, to do one thing, and, and the other thing has happened. Um, and, and, again, I don't pretend to be God. I don't pretend to know um, Every every reason why everything happens because again you know I I, t- I I think about it like like Google Maps right like like you can you can you can see everything that's going on in your house um, when you're in your house but when you start to zoom up right into like a thousand feet mode and then two thousand yeah. feet above now you can see the whole picture and we, we're never going to be able to see the whole picture so we've just got to trust God in the moment and the only way I know how to do that is again just to pray the promises. So in, in that moment, let's, let's back up. When, when you heard the word possibly lymphoma um, you, and you're faced with a decision at that point, um, when you hear that word coming out, were you familiar with what lymphoma was, what the implications were? Did you have to think about it a minute or was it, I like, mean, what was the rush? I mean, I, I knew, I knew it was cancer Yeah, and I knew, and I knew it was a tumor and I knew it was her inner lung. So, um, yeah. obviously, like I, I, I hadn't known anyone that gone through lymphoma, but I did know um, enough about it to where I've, I've had, you know, I've known, I've known of people that have had it. So, um, immediately, like um, the rush that went through my body was like a nausea. Like I, I literally felt like I was wanting to vomit. Like I ran to the restroom, um, and and looked in the mirror, and 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 I was shaking. My body had just kind of gone into shock, and. And I said, no, Lord, like not only for my daughter, am I going to be strong, but I'm going to be strong and stand against the enemy for myself. I walked back in that room and I looked at my daughter and I was like, baby, do you know what lymphoma is? You understand? I mean, she's 17 years old, you know? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, dad, cancer. But she looks at me in that moment. And then she did it again the next day. And she kept doing this. She kept saying, daddy, I don't have cancer. Daddy, I don't have cancer. And I'm like, 
baby, the, the doctors said that you do. No, I know. I know they said that they do, but I don't have cancer. This isn't cancer. And <laughs> no, she just, she just kept declaring it. That is a, that is so powerful, man. That is a strong, uh, 17 year old, you know, oh, that's what, that was going to be one of my next questions was how did she handle that? Like, how did she take it? I know, I know there had to have been, uh, ups and downs and all of that. Looking, looking back now, um, now what about Sahela's siblings? How many are they? There, she's got two siblings. Two siblings. Now, how how did how did the family? How did mom handle that and <clears throat> in, in going through that that initial moment? I mean, you know, the the initial moment for all of us was, um, I mean, Heather and I were resolute in the fact that we were we were going to face this head on with the the arms locked with the arms of our church, and believing in a God of miracles, um, and knowing that that praise always precedes our miracles. So, I mean, although it didn't feel good in the moment, we just began to praise God. We began to, we began to praise God and thank him for all the, the amazing things that he has done in our lives. Thank him for the incredible seasons that we've been through. Thank him for the miracle that was coming. And so that's kind of what we did there. And then, and then my, my kids, again, when you're, <clears throat> when, when you're planted in a house, in a church that is just like 100% focused on, on, Holy Spirit being alive and active and miracle signs and wonders happening. Like this is stuff that my kids, you know, are taught every single week. Like, like they didn't even bat an eye thinking, Oh, well, if she's got cancer, then God's going to heal her. Like it it just, that's just kind of what we thought. And, and I, and I know that it's because of our church family that we belong to that um, the teachings, the, the uh, just the, the atmosphere of, of what we experienced on a weekly basis at our church was shifted into the hospital room. Now, my wife did not leave the hospital for 21 days. She did. She actually stepped outside for a breath of fresh air one time, but she said, if my daughter can't breathe fresh air, I'm not going to breathe fresh air. Like, like I'm going to be with her the entire time. I kept, I'd, I'd go home every night with the, with the other kids, but you know, they may have well been on another planet. They were, they just never came home. And it was the, it was the scariest, hardest, longest season of our lives. But, we look back now, even though she's, you know, not fully healed yet, it's coming. And we look back and we think, how in the world do we make, do we make it through that? Like that was, I don't see how people make it through things like that without a, a foundation of, uh, of faith and an expectation of miracles. A hundred percent. Being in ministry, I, I've dealt with families who have hope and families who don't have hope. And when you face a tragedy, a hardship or a challenge, it is totally different when we are dealing with a situation, the 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 hope the the people what what caused you to decide to it was almost you almost have like it documented um through through all of that and you and you decided to allow people to come in pray over your daughter speak over your daughter you know a lot of people would say hey this is a private moment shut the doors our lives uh we can't show that we're human you know all, all of this let's 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 close the doors we're going to be just the family here what decided what what was inside of you that said no we need to let people into this yeah you know um i mean i i i had a i had a platform literally the the one reason the it was a selfish reason was just i knew i had 30,000 people that would be willing to pray for my daughter yeah. and there are 30,000 people that follow me on instagram i'll be honest with you if i had 100 people follow me on instagram I don't know if I would have shared all that, but at the initially, initially for in my decision-making process, because I wanted these people praying for my daughter. Like I was, we were desperate. 
So I'm like, I'm like asking anybody and everybody. And then, and then once I started to see the prayers work, it, I, what I, what I didn't realize was going to happen was I began to see people's faith being, um, being grown through me sharing my daughter's suffering. And, and at that point I started to see people that were like, you know, I actually haven't prayed to God in seven years. I haven't even opened my Bible, but I'm watching what's happening and I'm, be, I'm beginning to pray for your daughter and it feels good to talk to God again. And here, here we go. We're starting to see beauty come out of ashes. And then, you know, um, again, I'm documenting the whole thing, not knowing what's going to happen. I mean, we're, we're at day 14 in the hospital. The doctors are still like, you know what? We, we can't figure this out. We, we're going to go back to cancer. We think maybe this is a cancer that we weren't looking at for in the right way. And so devastated again, right? Now we have to, now we have five, four days of, of waiting for test results to come back and like, what are we going to do? How are we going to sit in this? And everybody got to see every inch of our struggle. And I think that it was really faith building, you know, for a lot of people and so many people, I mean, still daily, I get daily uh, DMs asking, you know, how's Sohaila doing? Cause I'm not sharing as much about her now, you know, like when she's in the hospital, she was like, you know, we, we were, um, I mean, she was basically unconscious 90% of the day. I mean, she's just out. So her pain level was so high. Um, and and uh, we, we needed like we, we desperate prayers. Now, you know, she's back and she's babysitting and she's, you know, moving really slow. But, you know, it's her life and I'm going to let her share it as she sees fit. And she's beginning to share that on her own Instagram now. And so um, it's her story to tell uh, from here on out. And, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to honor that. But those days in the hospital um, to see how much our journey affected other people's faith was something that I didn't anticipate, but I'm glad I did. Carlos, what would you say to somebody that might be listening in? Cause I do, I do have different uh, people at different levels and, or, or, or different uh, stages of their walk. What would you tell somebody that's facing a major hardship? Maybe it's, maybe it's medical, maybe it's something similar. Maybe it's a sibling uh, or, or, or a daughter or son. Uh, or themselves that's facing a, a, a big hardship right now that may not be as far along or as strong in the faith as your family. Uh, what, what encouragement would you have for them? Ma'am, just the biggest thing I can say, you know, and this is, this is really a, a big chunk of the next season of my life, what I'm going to be teaching on and, and my, my next book is I've realized that, that again, so many of us from Jump Street in any difficult situation, we start reciting the words of the enemy. Mm. We start declaring the sickness over ourselves. We start declaring the depression over ourselves. We start, we, when we pray, we people are literally praying like, oh God, I'm so depressed. Like wow. literally that statement by itself is you placing depression on your shoulders. I mean, this is not something I'm making up. When you look at scripture, every time Jesus prayed, you never see a moment when Jesus actually prayed the problem. What he was always declaring was the truth of who God was over his life. He was praying the promises. So that one attribute right there, when you start to pray the promises of God over your life, as opposed to praying the problem, you're going to start seeing not only your mood shift, but the atmosphere shift around you. Um, you're going to start seeing healing in ways that maybe you didn't even expect to see. Uh, and I would say that initially, like somebody that is just at the beginning stages of their trauma, their trial, their suffering, start to declare the promises of God over your life. There's a little book that, um, it's not a book, it's a pamphlet that I keep in my back pocket and in my backpack every day by a man named Charles Caps, And it's called God's Creative Power Will Work For You. 
It's been, there's like over almost over 4 million of these have been uh, given out. And all it is in this, I don't know, 20 page pamphlet is about 18 pages of, um, of God's promises that you can declare over your life in different situations. So um, I, I use it every single day for wisdom and guidance. There's a, there's scriptures for anxiety and depression. There's scriptures for physical healing. There's scriptures. And I use this as, as kind of like my, um, my declarations on a daily basis. So if people want to go look for that, they can. Can you, can you give me the name of that one more time? Yeah. God's creative power will yeah. work for you. Love it. Okay. And now that, that I want that to kind of transis, transition us into inner wild. Is that, does, what exactly sparked you to write inner wild? And, and, and I know it's, uh, and tell us a little bit about what we could expect. Yeah. You know, um, my last book, kill the spider was, um, helping people identify the lies they believe, uh, in their lives. And, and break and break those agreements with the enemy, those those lies, and and step into what I believe is freedom. I would say that kill the spider is like basic training for um, for for the the warfare that's going to happen in in your life. I would say that enter wild is is Navy SEAL training. I would say that this next book is going to take people uh, that have read Kill the Spider into a deeper place of oh. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. Yeah. Like, like this, this, this is actually, you know, I, when you, when you kill your spider, you're going to realize that you don't just have one. Right. So you've got, you've got, you've got to have like a whole system of warfare. And so the, the book is, is, um, is helping people far too many Christians. What ends up happening is they'll kill their spider and then they end up just kind of sitting at, uh, at 60% healed. Like they're like, Oh, okay. Like I killed that one spider. Things are a little bit better. And so, um, they, since they don't, since they're not suffering as bad as they were at the beginning of their battle, once you get, once people get to about 60% better, they make a deal and they're like, you know what, God, if I can just stay here, as long as I don't have to go back to that bad place of suffering, then I'll actually just wait until I get to heaven to experience Mm. true abundance, to experience true fullness. And so what people do, and maybe sometimes unconsciously, is is they make a deal and they get st- stuck at 60%. But what I show people in in Enter Wild is that John 10.10 10 doesn't say a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to 60%. Like, oh, like, yes. that's, that's, that's not what it says, right? It says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah. So what happens is people are living this mild faith. They're, they're living a faith that is so mild um, when God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to pull you into a wild faith. Like, yes. like you're, you're, you're just hanging out at 60% when there, there are miracle signs and wonders waiting for you when you just say, okay, God, pull me into 100%. Now, does 100% abundance and fullness that John 10, 10 is talking about mean like, like you're like, it's, it's raining money. You've got a fat house. Like, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this spiritual abundance, this, this fullness that even in 21 days at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, that we were experienced the fullness and we were experienced the abundance of God that we never would have experienced had we stopped at 60%. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's what the book is helping people get to. It's helping people uh, exchange, you know, worry for wonder, um, exchange anxiety for amazement, and, and, and leave, leave the world of thinking that we've got to wait to heaven in order to experience heaven when we can actually bring heaven here on earth. 
Mm. Now, um, you, you touched on so many things that we could really dig into some good stuff. Uh, I used to do prison ministry um, for some time and I would go in and uh, and we would see we would see prisoners, you know, we, we, we would we would see them make a lot of headway. We would see a lot of change and, and we would see them get out. And after a while, we would see them come right back in. And, and then they would, they would get out and they had made it so far and they would come right back in. And what I started to notice was that uh, human nature, a lot of people get comfortable in their chaos. Like that's, that's all they know. And, and so I can really resonate to you saying um, that, that they, they maybe kill one spider and then they get comfortable at 60%. But some versions say that, that, that we, that he came so that we may have life of abundantly you know and and so that yeah. full life you're talking about that abundant life is so much bigger than oh i'm having a bad day it's so much bigger than um oh i don't want to go to school today or oh i don't want to uh, uh, i can't believe my boss just yelled at me um and and there's so yeah. much more to this life i mean the same power that rose jesus from the grave the same power that 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 freed us from from the depths of hell is alive in us and and i think that that is so hard to to yeah. undo a lifestyle a whole lifetime of negative thinking but but once people can really grasp that and allow jesus to to come into their lives and just totally transform that way of thought there's so much life on the other side of that yeah, I agree one hundred percent with you. I mean, and, it's so good. What are you What are you hoping to with with Interwild? What are you hoping that the reader when 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 that reader closes that book when when that reader closes that book for the final time and sets it down or puts it on back on the bookshelf? What do you hope that they walk away with? I, I hope that they are that during the reading of the book, they've literally seen heaven descend on every aspect of their life that that's what that's what I, I hope that by because i've got i've got prayers spread out throughout the book that are building upon each other and and building to a point where by the end of the book you're going to be praying some prayers that you ain't never prayed before and when you start praying and declaring these prayers in your life you're literally going to see the atmosphere in your life shift and you're you're going to see you you are going to realize that the miracle signs and wonders that jesus told the disciples, you know, right before he ascended into heaven, those things that he said that they were going to, um, to experience weren't just for the disciples. Like, like we are those disciples, we're descendants of them and those same things are available to us. And so I, I just hope that, that when they close the book, they, they, they have left mild, left a mild faith and stepped into, stepped onto the shores of miracle signs and wonders, stepped onto the shores of experience, this wild faith that God has for them and they're there's they're no longer bored they're now sprinting to church they're sprinting to wake up every day to open the word of god because when they open the word of god that's when they're going to hear from god truly i hope that people are hearing god in ways they've never heard from god before um and and i and i hope again like like everything i do is always about freedom yeah. and and Kill the Spider is about freedom. Enter Wild is about freedom. The next book I write is going to be about freedom. I just hope that people find the freedom that they're looking for. You know, I for for me, courage that that's my thing, and for you, freedom. And 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 I think it all kind of goes um, um, hand in hand. And I, 
Dude, I, just that statement alone that you told me a second ago makes me – I want the book now, Carlos, okay? You said, <laughs> you said when they close that book, I want them to have felt that, that heaven itself had fallen on every aspect of their lives. Yeah. Man – uh, that that is that is so big and so powerful that our finite minds I don't even think can wrap around that and and just but it's yeah. beautiful. God is has created us man to be relational beings. We are we are to love one another, and He has established Himself on the throne. The breather of the He breathes stars into existence and cares about me. Like yeah. that's yeah. Wow. You, you know, I just, I, I'm so thankful that I have gotten you on this podcast today because I am pumped and thanks brother. Yeah, man. And, and, and I love that. And so, um, what we, we can expect this June 16th, correct? Yep. June 16th, it comes out, they can pre-order it now. Um, and, and again, there'll be a, an actual a video e-course that is going to go along. If you buy the book, pre-order the book, um, you'll be able to get that as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest to to give as many resources as possible to you know to people going on this journey because it's not just a book, man. This is this is a way of living. This is um, my wife and I are going to be doing enter enter events and and in the book there's three steps. It's 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 enter rest, enter war, and enter wild. And those are the three steps that I take people through. I love that. Now now looking looking back through um, kill the spider. Um, because it came before Sohala, right? Oh yeah. And then, and then, then you have, uh, Interwild. Were you, had you already written Interwild or did, did it come during or after? Um, yeah. Uh, I, what's crazy is I'd actually written, uh, Interwild and turned it in maybe two months before Sohala went in the hospital gotcha. and it, it was literally my, my, my source of, I mean, I, I reread my book. 10 times while Sohala was in the hospital wow. for myself. So little did I know that I wrote that book for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to need it while I was in the hospital. That's, that's just God's grace right there, man. And so looking back, um, do you feel like, is, is there anything you would have done differently if you wrote it after that experience? Or was it, or did, did God show up and show out in the way as, as the way you felt when you were knee deep in writing the book? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was, it, I mean, he, sh he showed up yeah. exactly when he needed to show up. This book is going to be, I, I believe a manual for people that are, um, that are stuck in the midst of trauma and trials and suffering and they can't seem to get out and they, they want to experience the abundance that God promised. Um, you know, it, it, it was written for me in the hospital. It's written for um, the person that 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 is is has gotten you know sixty percent through their anxiety, and they they think, okay, well, this is it. Maybe I'll just be anxious like this the rest of my life. You know, it's written for the prisoner that keeps going back to prison, doing the same thing. You know, it, this isn't. Whereas, kill the spider was more of like how to fix the behave the sin issue behavior. Um, this one is more about how to experience abundance. Yeah. Um, so so how and has so. I'm. I'm just telling you when. Go ahead. Uh, no, it. It was. I thought you. It was a glitch in there. Oh, all good. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, um, Enter Enter Wild is, I think, going to be end up being uh, a manual for people to pick up uh, when they start when they when they realize that um, the enemy has 
has left them at 60% and believing that, that that's all that God has for them. Man, that's, that's amazing. How, how have you, um, uh, how has your family grown since going through y'all's experience and, 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 and all of this, how, how has your faith grown? How has your family grown, um, being there? How has Sahela, uh, kind of, kind of responded through, through all of this? I mean, it's, it's grown us in ways that, you know, comfortable Christianity never would have. Uh, you know, so many people, they're, they're praying for a life filled with miracles, right? That, that's what people want. They want a life, a life filled with God doing incredible things. But God's not going to, God can't do incredible things unless you walk through valleys. He can't pull you out of them. So, you know, these are dangerous prayers that we're praying. Um, but we have to realize that God has not called us to a life of, a vacation. Christianity is not a vacation. So all three of my kids, you know, they, I'm, I'm watching their faith explode. My wife and, and myself, you know, so much good has come out of this season. You know, we're in the middle of this pandemic right now and I'm, I'm seeing us as a family um, blossom in ways we never would have before, you know? And so, you know, even, even, even the fact that this book is coming out, hopefully at the back end of all the craziness of this coronavirus, I think is people are going to pick it up and go, okay, this is what I want. Like, I want a wild faith. I, w- I want a faith that when the entire world shuts down, my job goes away, my paycheck goes away, the- there's zero fear in me. I can continue to live this wild faith. You know, with with speaking of the coronavirus and, and all of that, I think that's affected uh, so many people in so many different ways. Uh, for me, now, I don't want to, I don't want to take the seriousness out of this, Carlos. There are people there are people around the world dying from this virus. This is a serious, serious time. Um, but, but for my family, for the world, it's, it's been a time of slowdown. It's been a time of just stop and really take into account what's important. Really, uh, for some people, workaholics and all of this type of stuff, it's been a chance to just stop and get to know our family, man. Yeah. And get to know the people uh, uh, that, that are surrounding us and, and what's really important. Have you learned uh, anything major from 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 this time through the coronavirus? Has uh, has has God been speaking to you any differently through this um, than normally in the hectic heyday of of the moment? He's just louder. He's yeah. he's just louder, and I think that I think a lot of people the um, the mistake a lot of people are making during this season is they're trying to they're trying to busy up. They're trying to like okay, well, how can I continue all my productivity at home? When I'm like, what if God? What if God? is using this in our lives. I'm not saying God caused this. I'm saying that he can use anything that the enemy throws our way. And what if he's using this for us to not speed up, but to slow down? Um, Again, that's the whole first third of my book, Enter Rest, uh, is the first section. And it's all about lowering the volume of life so that the volume of God goes up. Um, And so that's what I've decided to do. Um, I've decided to use this season to lower the volume of life. And God has been so loud and it's been awesome. You know, and, and that's that's great to hear and great to see. For for me, I just I wanted people to get a to to find out who Carlos Whitaker uh, is. See, for me, I feel like I'm a member of your home, your household. You don't know, but hey, I chased that Robin with you, buddy. And, and that that Robin that <laughs> that's out awesome. there in the yard, you know, the 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 one that that we were afraid it was going to get out in the road, man. And yep. so uh, uh, you don't know the, the, those. You don't know the impact you're putting on on people by being obedient, by letting people in, 
uh, by telling these stories, by being on stage um, and, and watching you tell about your dad, man. Tell mm. about your dad and, and how Kill the Spider was born. When you were talking about your dad and he looks like the emoji and, and all of this stuff, bro, like, like, like people are walking with you through this stuff, Carlos, and you are making a major impact. And I just wanted people to uh, experience this and, and feel your passion and feel your love for, for people. And I just want to say, go, man, go. Thanks, bro. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of kind of start bringing it to a close here. I play a game with um, with all of my my guests that I have on the podcast. And what we do is I'll give you a saying or a Bible verse. And man, you just you just tell me the first thing that kind of pops in your mind. And today's today's about this. When I read this, okay. I said this. This is Carlos right here. So this comes from uh, Romans, uh, let's see, uh, Romans 12, verse 11. It says, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual, okay, am I still recording? I thought I went off here. Oh, that's, that's ne- all good. Never, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What's mm. the first thing that pops in your mind there? Man, I I am... Um... I see when you said that, um, gosh, I, what, what I see is you describing everything I just wrote going from mild to wild. Like I, I see somebody who is exhausted. They've got like, you know, they've been trudging. I don't know if it's a construction worker. I don't know who it is, but they've been, they're exhausted. And I see them opening up the word of God. And when they open it up, like a fire literally exploding into their chest and th- that zeal, that word zeal exploding in their lives. And, and that, that's what I see. Man, I love it. I love it. Now, um, uh, you have been ordained as a pastor and, and all of that as well, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so um, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about, about your church. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not on staff in my church, so yeah. I was I was on staff for 12 years at a church uh, in Southern California, and then for four years at North Point in Atlanta. But my church is called the Belonging Company, and uh, it's a church founded by pastors Alex and Henry Seeley. Yes. They were the worship leaders at a church in Australia called Planet Shakers, and they moved here five years ago and planted the Belonging Company, and um, it's it's just been the greatest church I've ever been a part of. I can say that beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's changed everything for me. It changed my faith. And this is, listen, this is after I've been in the professional Christian world for 20 years. So, you know, that's saying for me to be able to go into a church and it shift everything. And I just, I love it. I love the people. Uh, the music is incredible. Our worship leaders are Natalie Grant, Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, Sarah Reeves, Andrew Holt. You know, I mean, it's the, <clears throat> the best of the best. And yeah, and it's uh, we're spoiled on a weekly basis. It's awesome. Need I say anymore? I've kind of you, you you know saw clips and pieces and stuff like that, and I just think that you know it's so important to be a part of the body of Christ. It's so important to be surrounded uh, by people that you love dear, and 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 people that are just on fire for the Lord. And yeah, uh, and and I knew that that that. Uh, I had to get you on here and and speak into that. And I'm, again, uh, just so thankful for you um, and your time. If if you will hold on just a moment. Uh, and and um, as for our listeners, um, 
hold on, Carlos, where can we find out more about you? And, and where can we find out more about uh, your new book, Interwild, and all of that? Absolutely. Yeah. If you go to enterwild.com, um, you can find all the information about the book. Uh, you can, you can, um, I mean, everything you can get the e-course there, all the things. And then, uh, most of the times I'm just hanging out on Instagram and that's low sweat, L O S W H I T on Instagram. You can also go to Carlos Whitaker.com and that has my speaking schedule and stuff like that. Okay. Awesome. And guys be on the lookout for Interwild. As for my listeners, I will see you in the next couple of days.